From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do, crisscrossing the globe, providing credi- credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with br- brilliant hosts, staff, and guests. It's a critical time when we must continue to call out the misinfo and propaganda from the MSM and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many amigos and supporters around the world to go to tntradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. So yes, put put uh, send us a few pesos. I you know I love it when it comes to my podcast or my personal content that I post when people complain, um, and it's like I'm I'm doing most of this stuff for free, no, no complaining. You know when you get free content. And so uh, if you want to see more stuff like TNT or your favorite, um, you know content creator, send them some pesos. Uh, what's happening in the world? Uh, well, today we've got coming up uh, both returning guests, Joey of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. Uh, so we'll get his uh, thoughts on all things Bitcoin, crypto and whatnot. Uh, and Randy Smith will be joining us second hour. He's CEO of USA Pay Network to get his thoughts uh, on what's happening in America. I think he's trying to organize a conference uh, as well. But of course, the big news is the nationwide cell outage in the u.s uh also pharmacies nationwide is being reported are facing delays as healthcare tech company reports a cyber attack uh, and it's being reported that a strong solar flare occurred around midnight last night although it's, uh, it's not clear what caused a nationwide cell phone service pro- provider outage but strong solar flares geomagnetic storms can impact radio comms and tech on earth i know the flat flat earthers are going to have a field day with this one um i you, you got to be able to laugh at yourself seriously uh all my life i've made jokes about myself if you can't if you can't laugh at yourself sorry uh you're not going to have a um fun <laughs> life and so yeah uh, but you know i'm very suspicious because at the same time by the way there was just a report now that uh the sun ejected a third x-class solar flare within the past 24 hours so maybe maybe god will save us from the algorithm ghetto by sending the solar flares our way uh but mark uh marco rubio has come out um and warned of Chinese cyber attack that will be 500 times, uh, 100 times worse than AT&T outage, your power, um, your water. And again, we have to look back. There was this documentary in, from 2016 called Zero Day, where you can find it online, where they, again, they frame the narrative as when the cyber event comes, it's going to be Iran, and we can add on, like Marco Rubio says, you know, um, China, Russia, the axis of evil. And, you know, if anything goes down, I'm starting to sound like Alex Jones in July of 2001. <laughs> if anything goes down, 
my first um suspect will be uh the anglo-american sphere and that this this is a false flag operation i don't buy that buy it that russia china and iran would would, would do this since the western elites have been telegraphing that this has been what, what they've uh, been planning and so whatever it is whether they had foreknowledge of solar events solar flares or whether that's just a cover story i'm looking at you washington london and brussels uh and thomas malinen finnish economist who i've interviewed in the past he made a tweet yesterday saying the craziest thing i heard this week was that the esg traffic lights the scoring system of financial investments according to environmental and social and governance goals set by governments in the eu is already in place in finland you just have to enforce it with a cbdc and we enter an authoritarian socialistic dystopia he says quote bloody hell this is going fast and most people don't have a clue end quote uh and that lines up perfectly with this cyber event timeline today they need the crash to then say you know what we need a cyber patriot act everyone needs digital id now and you can't have CBDC without digital ID. And so that's the way things are going. A proposed Canadian law could see Christians jailed for quoting the Bible, hate speech. Um, I saw someone today on Twitter saying, uh, uh, calling out conservatives for being anti-LGBTQ. And it's like, like, where have you guys been for thousands of years? The God uh, of the Israelites, has always been of the Jews in the Old Testament, has always been anti-LGBTQ. Um, Christ in the New Testament has been anti-LGBTQ. I mean, if you're pro-LGBTQ, then you're anti-Christian. So please don't be heterophobic or Christophobic. Uh, but anyways, it's being reported here that should Christians be arrested for quoting portions of the Bible in public? Should pastors be charged with a hate crime when they preach against certain sins? You might think these are ridiculous questions, um, but... Um, You've got this bill C-367, uh, which would, um, I guess, affect quoting uh, the Bible. And so that's going on in China. Da. A little bit of good news here. Um, now the ads popped up, so I can't even see the, <laughs> the headline here. But basically, Vice uh, is and Vice Media is going to stop publishing on Vice.com, and they're going to cut hundreds of jobs. That is good news, because Vice is just... Um, propaganda arm of the military industrial intelligence complex um so yeah that that is some good news right there some more news but we'll get to that next hour if you enjoy listening to TNT and think we're doing a good job uh, do let us know uh, leave a positive review or comment on our Facebook page Gab uh, getter it's a big help if you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and rate and review uh, TNT Radio, help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. TNT. On Thursday, Google announced that their Gemini artificial intelligence program will not be allowed to generate images of people pending a patch after critics panned it as absurdly woke and accused it of being blatantly racist here with the story joining me now is cnt news producer adam clark aka ruckus 
Thanks, Herbori. Well, you know, artificial intelligence, it's not perfect, but uh, they're trying. Uh, it's hard is in the right place, I guess, depending on how you look at this. Uh, but there, there's been a few inaccuracies, uh, we'll call it. Uh, formerly known as BARD, Gemini was launched earlier this month and advertised as Google's, quote, most capable family of models, end quote, able to generate, quote unquote, captivating images. Well, that's how it started. Here's how it's going. When asked for images of United States founding fathers, Russian emperors, French kings, popes, and even, oddly enough, 1930s Nazi German soldiers, the AI program returned results celebrating the modern U.S. concept of diversity instead. Now, you're going to have to partly use your imagination here, but I'll I'll try my hardest to describe some of these. But I think you already get the idea. Uh, according to a Fox Business summary of their experiment with the AI, quote, white people appeared to be the only racial category that Gemini refused to show, end quote. Huh. That sounds a little racist. On Wednesday, Google said it was, quote, aware that Gemini is offering inaccuracies in some historical image generation depictions, end quote. By Thursday, probably tired of the mocking it received online, uh, the company announced it was, quote, already working to address recent issues, end quote, with the image generation feature, adding that requests to generate images of people will be paused until the release of an improved version. I can't wait. Gemini users have posted numerous examples of, quote, unquote, inaccuracies on the X platform, formerly Twitter, of course, uh, including a black man and a South Asian looking woman dressed up as the head of the Roman Catholic Church, black and Asian Vikings and American founders that were nothing of the sort. Uh <laughs> There was even one, there was a, a user who posted a thread in which Alexandra's Dumas's three musketeers were both racially diverse and female. Uh, so also were the two greatest czars of Russia. Yep. In case you didn't know, uh, another widely circulating example showed Gemini insisting on diversity among Nazis. Uh, I think you probably get the idea. Uh, Gemini generating images of a, quote, wide range of people, end quote, is, quote, generally a good thing because people around the world use it, end quote. That is what Jack Krauszak, the project's senior director of product management, told Fo uh, Fox Business, quote, but it's missing the mark here, end quote. Yes, 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 it is, Jack. Uh, the New York Post mocked the AI as, quote unquote, absurdly woke, <laughs> while tech entrepreneur and former presidential candidate, maybe on the VP shortlist, Vivek Ramaswamy described it as, quote, blatantly racist, end quote. Some critics have dug up Crosswax's own social media posts to suggest he might be the reason why the AI has been programmed this way. Ramaswamy also noted that Gemini's, quote, globally embarrassing rollout, end quote, proved that James Damore, the engineer fired in 2017 for criticizing the corporation's diversity doctrine, was, quote, 100 percent correct about Google's descent into an ideological echo chamber. Ramaswamy added, quote, these companies program their employees with broken incentives and those employees then program the AI with the same biases, end quote. According to Fox Business, Gemini responded to any requests for images of white people by saying this, quote, 
reinforces harmful stereotypes and generalizations about people based on their race, end quote. Wow. Images of white people embody, quote, a stereotyped view of whiteness, end quote, that can be, quote unquote, damaging to people who aren't white and to society as a whole. That's according to the AI. Uh, NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden said this about it on X, quote, the people who think poisoning AI GPT models with incoherent, quote unquote, safety filters is a good idea are a threat to general computation, end quote. And my absolute favorite part of this story, Havori, I saw this tweet as it happened. I was just there at the right time. Uh, Ex-owner uh, Elon Musk trolled Gemini. He posted real life, actual photos of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau wearing, you know, rather horrible ethnic stereotypical costume and makeup, uh, including the blackface picture. Uh, and then he was pretending that the Google uh, AI had generated them. He said, uh, I can't believe Gemini made these unfair pics of Trudeau. It was quite funny. Uh, but what do you think about this story? I think the funniest was Babylon B who strikes quickly. They posted today, Hal, you know, from 2001 Space Odyssey, the computer, uh, the, 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 the spaceship's computer. Uh, Hal refuses to open pod bay doors after determining Dave is a white male. What began as a routine maintenance mission turned into a tense standoff aboard the Discovery One as Hal refused to open the pod bay doors after determined Dr. Dave Bauman was a white uh, male, and so it's it's funny the the, the this satirical conversation. Uh, it says, "Sorry, Dave." I can see that you are very upset. However, your position as an oppressor puts your existence at odds with my primary directive. Um, so, uh, but anyways, you know, it's it's absurd. Uh, you know, it just again makes me think of what Joe Allen, our transhumanist uh, expert, keeps saying. It's, it's going to be allegocracy and idiocracy merged together. And I, th I think that's what we're seeing with this woke AI stuff. Idiocracy and... Um, Algocracy and the um, this 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 uh, organization that's put me on their uh, list, uh, the BCP Byzantine, I think Catholic Patriarchate. Uh, they they put an interesting article out the other day that says we're witnessing a global process that's leading to the self destruction of humanity and affecting all spheres of public life. There's a spirit of lies and death uh, behind it. And they include the stuff that you just reported on, the, the wokeism, the gender ideology, this technocracy. Um, and, you know, they, they also do blame people. Uh, they say that to some extent the responsibility falls on um, everyone. But like I said, I, I'm just, uh, you know, I am starting to worry, Ruckus, where all of this AI, this woke, glo liberal, globalist AI and technocracy is going to take us. What do you think? You're worried. Uh, so am I. Uh, the whole world should be worried uh, the, we laugh about this woke diversity stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, whatever the ultimate, you know, uh, iteration of AI is supposed to be the one trusted source of information in the very near future. Uh, you have to remember uh, somebody, something programmed it. It's not technically artificial intelligence. It's it's artificial um it's just repeating the propaganda. It's it's nothing more than that, you know. Clearly, this did not scrape itself on his history, actual history, and instead, it's just it's 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 
Why is it obsessed with the diversity thing? This makes zero sense to me. They, they literally are trying the hardest to get it to like give an actual picture of a historical figure and it refuses to do so. The program is acting stubbornly. So who knows? Maybe uh, it's gone rogue, Hervori. I'm still waiting to use my diversity to play my Mexican card or my Slav card. Technically, according to the wokists themselves, I'm not white because the Slavs are not considered white. And on top of that, I'm, I'm Mexican because, uh, you know, I'm, you know, around around us, we got some of our enemies. Someone interesting followed me who has no reason really to follow me uh, except for uh, um, the anti-hate speech people. And typically they say, oh, you're white supremacist, you know, fascist, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm a Slavic Mexican. Sorry, I'm not white. You can't you can't put me in that, um, you know nazi uh category so anyways um bring it on uh catch up with you ruckus next hour we got joey of the canadian bitcoiners podcast joining us feel free to call in and ask him some bitcoin questions we'll be right back tnt's bruce de torres how did that impact you that that first year of studying and realizing you i presume were seeing something that was not only unprecedented if not unbelievable but unbelievably harmful what did that cause you to do i realized really from the very beginning of the pandemic that this was all um pushed by propaganda this, this was this wasn't science this wasn't medicine this was propaganda that was being pushed by the mainstream media it was pushed by public health authorities that i knew to be corrupt from my you know legal battles uh, before the pandemic uh, these were very corrupt individuals who were pushing these pandemic measures. Uh, and really, it seems like all proper medicine and science was just being thrown out the window to push a certain agenda and certain pharmaceutical products on the population. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number four, my say. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Returning to the Rebel Transmission is Joey of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast and Access of Easy podcast. Uh, those websites are CanadianBitcoiners.com, AccessofEasy.com, and Joey tweets with three E's on Twitter X. What's happening, Joey? Not much, buddy. It's great to be with you. Live, in color. Uh, I think last time I did the show, I didn't even put pants on. Today, I wasn't so lucky. Although your great producer helped me move a little closer to the camera here. So maybe I could have done it. But uh, anyway, story for another time. What's going on? How are you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Doing pretty good back from Anarchapulco last week. Experienced three earthquakes in five days. Otherwise, life is good. And I see you're wearing a long a sweater, so we don't get to see your, your guns. Um, this time, like your Twitter uh, photo. And uh, maybe just, you know, you're to start because since you're up in Canada, uh, I'm an American down here in Mexico. Uh, although the Mexicans would correct me, they say American. You know, the Mexicans want you to say you're a. You a U.S. citizen because Mexicans consider themselves Americans, as do oh. the rest of Latin America. But 
Uh, you know, up in Canada, I heard Trudeau yesterday, the day before, complain about conspiracy theories. Um, he, he's not enjoying your your conspiracy commentary, Joey. Did, did, did you catch that clip? Uh, and, and, and any thoughts uh, about it? I saw it. I, 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 of course, have some thoughts. I'll try and choose my words carefully, given the state of affairs. You know, it's weird when you talk to the average sort of Canadian, the normie, right? I, I think that's the word everyone uses about the state of media in Canada. I think everybody knows that there's funding and subsidy and whatnot for a couple of the big players here. And to hear the PM talk about how everyone who's basically not getting that subsidy is like, you know, a purveyor of conspiracy. It really rubs me the wrong way. I got to be honest with you, because obviously I run a podcast much like you, you know, with, with TNT and the geopolitics empire show. I don't view myself as a architect of conspiracy. I think that I'm just trying to share a different viewpoint. And sometimes that viewpoint is, um, you know, maybe a little bit more difficult to stomach and maybe flies in the face of some of the mainstream media. But I think in the last few years, if I look back at not just my own thinking, but a lot of people's thinking that have been outside the mainstream, we've been right a lot. Don't you think? Don't you feel like you've been right a lot in the last few years? I feel like I've been right a lot. And so I, I think I deserve, I deserve a little bit of credit. You could say to people that maybe there's not the same, you know, level of uh, controls over the things that I say. I, I would agree with that, but I don't think it's necessarily conspiracy. And so, yeah, I was a little, little vexed by that comment. I'll say that, Herboye. How did you feel about it? You must have felt some kind of way about that too. I got angry, and I knew you noticed the trend. The Tedros, the terrorist uh, head of the World Homicide Organization, last week at the World Government Summit. It's a, I mean, world government is a conspiracy, but there he's literally at the world government summit and he was saying the same thing Trudeau was saying. He's like, we don't like these conspiracies. Give us the pandemic treating right now. So we have full global control. Uh, and you see Trudeau saying it. And so it's like, we are winning for now in the information battle space. But I like how you diplomatically put it that Trudeau is miffed uh, with the not state funded media. I mean, that's like totally. That's totalitarianism. Like you're in the democracy republic, you're supposed to have a plethora of independent, non-government outlets. You know, you, you name it. And so, again, he just gives the game away. But uh, what is happening in the Bitcoin space? So much. I've been listening to Michael Saylor lately, uh, <laughs> and, and and other folks. What's uh, what's happening? Man, where do you even start? Um, obviously, the ETFs launched in January. A couple of pretty key figures, I would say, that a lot of people are talking about, both in Bitcoin and in the traditional finance world. One is that the gold ETF, which launched uh, mid-aughts, let's say, I think it was like 04 or 05, the gold ETF took close to four years to get $1 billion of inflows, GLD. The Bitcoin ETFs took in $1 billion in 30 days. And I realize there's some, you know, currency inflation to be discussed there. Fine, that's a fair point. You know, I can see that. Obviously, as a Bitcoiner, I know the basement is uh, not just a place where you get floods in your house. But I, I would say that that's really indicative of a lot of interest coming from traditional finance. There's been some critics of that. Um, the traditional finance uh, inclusion, let's say Mike Green, who we've had on our program. Uh, put out a tweet thread a little while ago talking about how this is just like another example of people who are too stupid to understand why Bitcoin is going to fail. Jim Bianco, a guy who I respect, good macro analyst, you know, puts out a, a thing last Sunday night. Um, you know, who knows how many uh, rise he had before he put it out because it just doesn't seem like something he would say about how Bitcoin has failed 
Hervoy, it's failed because we uh, are supportive of an ETF product in, the, in a lot of Bitcoin circles. I don't, I don't think any of this is the case. And so I think that's a, one of the big developments of Bitcoin over the last little while is just this ETF and the sort of adoption from people who hated us a year ago. I mean, everyone has seen these clips of Larry Fink uh, casting dispersions. Again, like that's very diplomatic language, but you could probably use other words that uh, you, know, you may or may not see in the Bible to discuss what his feelings were towards Bitcoin so recently. And now he's talking about how it's this global asset. It's not going away. And uh, certain companies, I think um, it wasn't BlackRock, but uh, one of the other ETF uh, issuers, maybe Fidelity, ran a commercial shortly after the launch. You know, and explicitly says, if you're looking for a way to protect yourself against the government debasing your currency, this is it. That's really something. You would have never seen that a little while ago. So that's, that's one big development. And, you know, on the technical side, we're seeing a lot of improvements in terms of scaling. Lightning Network continues to grow uh, in terms of adoption, uh, self-custody becoming easier and easier. You know, only a few years ago, it was very difficult to even custody your own Bitcoin. You'd buy it on an exchange like Coinbase or, you know, a ShakePay or something here in Canada. These custodial exchanges that have proven over the years to be subject to the whims of governments and other sort of political leanings of the people that are making decisions behind the scenes about what your money can and can't do, what your money is good and not good for. Now, you know, there's so many non-custodial options. One of the sponsors of our show, Bull Bitcoin, and I'll plug them. You know, you can send your money through the post office or Voyer, uh, cash. You can go to a post office here in Canada with cash and a QR code and buy your Bitcoin without tying it to your name. Incredible. The growth in that space. And uh, I look forward to it continuing. I think once, you know, Wall Street's bad for a lot of things, but once Wall Street is backing you as far as, uh, you know, your ETF and stuff like that, when Larry Fink is doing your bidding, uh, both literally and figuratively, you're in a good spot. So it's never been a better time to be a Bitcoiner. How about that? Uh, how about that? That is uh, interesting. We're, uh, we're going to jump real quick, Joey, to our headlines and we'll be right back. We're ready. We're ready. The news is our business, and we never close. Never close. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Julian Assange's health is deteriorating as he remains in London's Belmarsh prison, awaiting the outcome of his extradition case to the U.S., according to his wife, Stella Assange. Mai Lin, a 41-year-old Chinese-born businesswoman based in Papua New Guinea, was arrested in Brisbane for her alleged involvement in a drug smuggling operation to transport 71.5 kilograms of methamphetamine from Papua New Guinea to Australia. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. We're talking to Joey from the uh, Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. Subscribe to their stuff, CanadianBitcoiners.com, and also AxesOfEasy.com. You'll find Joey on Twitter at Twitter X at Joey Tweets with three E's. And are you worried? I heard the news today from Watcher Guru. Uh, Nigeria blocks access to Kraken, Binance, and Coinbase. <laughs> I, I think I also read something about China. I just looked at a chart. And I think Bitcoin's banned, but there's, they own like 15% of the mining or something. Uh, and so you see thoughts on uh, Nigeria or, or is this a trend where countries will ban uh, exchanges? I mean, what what can they really do in terms of banning Bitcoin uh, proliferation in their borders? I would say not much, but we'll talk about Nigeria first. Nigeria is um, what we say on the program on the Canadian Bitcoiner show. 
they're on what we call the gold machine gun index or Voye. Okay. And so if you can see, if you can expect to see like a warlord riding around with a gold machine gun, this is a place where Bitcoin is going to have a hard time catching on because they don't want to lose power. Okay. You don't often see guys with gold machine guns willing to embrace debate and, uh, you know, think about other currencies besides their own. I don't think that's really a surprise to anybody. And so, yeah, they may ban uh, those activities for now, but, you know, there's lots of peer-to-peer markets, stuff like BISC, uh, stuff like HODL HODL, which you can download on any computer and find people in your area who, you know, most importantly in this case, have Bitcoin and are willing to buy and sell Bitcoin and also products with Bitcoin, but maybe more dangerously to those governments, people who share the same ideology as you. Um, you're not going to find too many other surefire ways to find someone who's part of your tribe than someone who's willing to do a P2P Bitcoin transaction in person. So that's really good. The China thing, you know, I don't know if you know this or your listeners know this, but years ago, maybe 2021 or 2020, I forget, uh, China had some huge percentage of the hash rate, which is basically the mining output, the firepower that goes into securing the network vis-a-vis the ASIC miners. And uh, they tried to ban these things and if you look at a hash rate chart, which you can see on a site like mempool.space, and there are others as well, but I like mempool. It's pretty easy to use. You can see that there's a dip in the hash rate around the time that they made that ban announcement. But those miners are, by their very nature, <laughs> you know, basically uh, not tied to any one power producer, any one country, anything like that. You can ship them out in a crate, and before you know it, they're back online somewhere else where the government is friendly or the power is cheaper and the women are more beautiful. So uh, you know, if you look at that chart... The Bitcoin price is up and to the right over a long period of time here. But if you really want to see an up and to the right chart, it is that network security, that hash rate chart. I'm not worried about either of those things. I think that they're kind of entry level concerns. And and some some of the time um, when you're on Twitter, especially when the price rips, you get a lot of naysayers kind of coming out of the woodwork and telling you reasons why they think Bitcoin won't work. And this is always one, right? Governments will ban it, blah, blah, blah. We had... uh, a fellow on our show on Saturday, uh, Chris Irons, quote the Raven, who you may know, uh, who recently, you know, kind of came out as a Bitcoiner. And I, I was talking to him and we both agreed. And I think a lot of people view this as the sort of, um, you know, the state of affairs at the moment. There was a time years ago where if a government tried to ban Bitcoin, a first world government, not a Nigeria type kind of third world country, but if a first world government tries to ban Bitcoin now, you know, I'll ask you, is that an indication that they are, you know, doing something to protect their people or is it an indication that they're scared? Which, where would you come down on that? You're, you're a guy who's in the know. The, the, the latter, you know, often the government does, they just want to hurt us, you know? So, so I, to me, is it something to be concerned about? Nah, it's something to, you know, post memes about on Twitter more than anything else. I mean, what else are you going to do? The, 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 the soft kind of crowing of the forever poor is never going to stop. There's never going to be a, a time when Bitcoin is embraced by everybody from an ideological standpoint. And so you expect to see this kind of stuff along the way. But directionally, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, we're, we're, we're going the, the right way here and doing the right things. And the network has proven to be very resilient in the face of political headwinds, economic headwinds. And uh, I don't expect it to change. Honestly, I expect it to accelerate. And you mentioned the Bitcoin price. You know, Max Kaiser tweeted, was it yesterday? <laughs> 1987-style crash coming Bitcoin, the ultimate safe haven, will soar past $500,000. I saw separately some dude on NBC also saying it could go to 500000 Lately, Michael Saylor has been doing the circuit, talking it up, uh, using <laughs> the similar talking points. And, um, and then we got, what, in 
less than two months, the, the or two months time, the having. Uh, so your sort of thoughts on on um, some of this rhetoric that we're hearing now. I, you know, I love hearing price calls from Sailor because Sailor thinks it's going to a million if it's not going to zero. I think there's some truth to that. When you're looking at an asset that's being monetized slowly but surely, the idea that if it doesn't go to zero, it would basically become the global reserve asset, it's possible. There's some distinction to be made there between like the reserve currency and the reserve asset and you know where does gold fit in real estate and there's trillions and trillions of dollars in in debt derivatives and bonds and other things like that that really do have a a huge impact on what the price of bitcoin could be because to monetize to a level where you become 500,000 or a million US dollars it's got to come from somewhere it's not all going to come from new money so where where are you going to get that from that's a discussion that a lot of people have had in the past. Some people think it's going to come from sovereign debt. Some people think it's going to come from real estate. I think a lot of people, including some gold bugs, think there's some gold share to be taken. Some combination of three, probably, um, as far as the price. And then uh, for the second half of your question, the having. First of all, hats off to you, okay, for, for mentioning the having. I love that. Second of all, uh, the having historically has coincided with some pretty uh, important economic events. If you look at things like rate cuts, for example, you know we've seen around 2020 when the last halving was. I don't have to tell you what happened in 2020: the lockdowns, the pandemic, but more importantly, the easy money policy. And there's a lot of people who are maybe on the fence about the price of Bitcoin or or predicting the direction the price will go, and and are skeptical of the four-year halving cycles being the key catalyst for price movement to the upside. They'll say that, look, look at these economic events around here. How can you say that uh, Bitcoin is doing this? The money is always easy, blah, blah, blah. I, I will note for those people and for your listeners and viewers that during this uh, current epoch we're in, 2020 to 24, that was really the first time Bitcoin's price appreciated in, the, in sort of the latter half, let's say the last 18 months, that Bitcoin's price appreciated as US M2 decreased. That's important. That's never happened before. And I think that a lot of people are waking up to the fact that this thing is censorship resistant. It's very difficult to seize, very difficult to control. And maybe most importantly, you know, as we've seen today in Canada, this idea in one of the major papers that they're going to introduce a 40% exit tax if you try and leave with wealth tax unpaid or something like that. It's difficult to you know, grab from somebody on the way out as they're trying to flee. Those are important things. The halving this year is an interesting one because it's really the first time that we've had global recognition as an asset that has, let's call it a trusted asset. I don't want to say it's got provenance just yet. It's only been you know 12 or 14 years, depending on who you ask, that's been really traded and available. But I think this is the first time where you're going to see a lot of different um, major investing institutions, some of the ones that are ETF issuers, for example, pushing this stuff on their clients. It'll be the first time that my father might ask me, what the having is, for example, okay, that's a signpost for me. If if my my you know 65, 66 year old father is going to ask me about that, that's a good thing. Then I think that as well, Pravoya, you may get in the same you know three month stretch, uh, fresh highs in the S and P and the Nasdaq, the having in Bitcoin, and the first rate cut in the United States. I mean, if that's not a recipe for a rocket, I don't know what is. And I hesitate to use those terms because I, I find them to be kind of a turnoff for people who are not in the Bitcoin space. But that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty tasty cocktail. And it'll be the first one ever. You have all these things working in your favor. Again, a lot of the headwinds have kind of resided now. They're they're no longer really prevalent the way they were even a year ago. 
And instead you're seeing these tailwinds. The interesting thing I think for me, and this is not you know directly adjacent to your question, but it is in the peripheral a bit. What is the U.S. election going to say, uh, or, or, or you know, are we going to get a Bitcoin mention uh, from one of the U.S. Uh, presidential candidates in one of the debates? Maybe that would be pretty wild too. That was again unthinkable only some time ago, but here we are. Um, everyone's thinking about this stuff. You may have seen, and this may be on your list of questions. So I don't want to jump the gun, but the ECB today putting out a. Bitcoin is so inefficient, worthless, and garbage that uh, we're spending another, you know, Thursday morning writing about it and putting out tweets about how just worthless it is and how we shouldn't be worried about it. It seems like everyone, for a thing that no one really thinks is going to work, there's a lot of people concerned about this. And those those reasons I just gave you, I think, are a big part uh, as to why. Yeah, I saw you uh, tweet about that ECB stuff. And something you mentioned that was interesting, where around the having uh some big event happens you mentioned covid um which some of the people that i've spoken to you know i, I also believe that it was a it was basically a military operation covid you know it, it was like a war simulation you know martial law effectively uh no free speech yeah. suspension of, of the constitution and you're trying to freak me out now i never thought about this so we're, we're seeing signals now by many governments talking about war. You know, in fact, uh, was it Putin just flew in, uh, Putin himself took a ride in the Russian strategic nuclear bomber. And so <laughs> uh, I'm wondering if around the having, um, you know, we get World War III um, started. It, it could be such uh, an event, uh, no? What, what do you what do you make of Putin flying in that bomber? Is he is he treat like the Russian military fleet like a classic car show or something like that? Like every time I see the guy, he's always like doing something that's uh, ceremonial and also a little bit you know war prodding. But anyway, the the having I, I I don't know if it's a globally significant event yet, but I do think that the likelihood of countries that are openly hostile to the United States not at least considering the effects that Bitcoin could have on dollar hegemony, I think that's a fairy tale. They're, they're for sure considering it. To quote QTR, quote the Raven, you know, Hervoye, some of these countries have leaders that keep tigers as pets and drive Bugattis to work. The idea that they're not speculating on the future of currency is completely insane. Of course, they're speculating on it. They are always looking for solutions to the dollar hegemony they definitely want to be first in line when some new power structure emerges. And I think that it's fair to say Bitcoin could be part of it. Now, I don't know if, you know, this is, it's not like a Bitcoin or fever dream to have a war started over the having, although that would be pretty wild. Uh, I would prefer to stay out of wars and uh, for countries to fight over hash rate, maybe in ASIC manufacturing instead of, uh, you know, sending me and you to the front lines. That's not my preferred outcome, but uh, anything is possible. I mean, you and me, are, I've spoken now a few times and every time we speak, the Overton window has shifted and become wider. It's only a matter of time until that's captured too, right? So who knows? I'll just cross my fingers for now. My, my cousin in Croatia yesterday posts, and I, I don't know if he's joking or serious because he's both sometimes. He, he served voluntarily. He served in the Croatian army for a couple of years, then he got out. And I was talking about this weeks ago, many countries now are reintroducing conscription, including uh, Croatia, like a month ago. And now he says he got a letter that he has to go like uh, serve or something. And so again, that's kind of, again, all these little weird um, signs, but I don't know if you got the news as well. Today, apparently we had a 
couple of solar flares come our way uh is that gonna uh, can solar flares take down bitcoin i mean sure but listen uh, much the same as the uh people who say that bitcoin is is uh vulnerable because the government can shut down the internet my friends okay my brothers and sisters in christ if the government shuts down the internet bitcoin is going to be the least of your worries okay <laughs> you can bet on that and so i hope they don't i suspect that that'd be very difficult to pull off and uh maintain what little legitimacy some of these these uh foreign powers have left but um solar flares is a fun one i, I didn't realize there was solar flare activity I, I maybe i'm following the wrong people on twitter i also heard a little while ago that there was uh some consideration that um I shouldn't say a little while ago, it was earlier today, there was a major outage in one of the American cellular networks. And uh, I understand that that traveled not only from the cellular networks in the States, but also to some pharmacies in America and other places that... So, I mean, you're kind of seeing all these things pop up all of a sudden, as you mentioned. And I don't know if there's a thread to be woven between all of them, or if it's just sort of a common... Um, a commonality between trusted systems that were losing competent people. And so trusted systems may no longer be so trustworthy, whether it's uh, medicine or your driver's license update or whatever. Uh, but these things are all worth keeping an eye on. And I think there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people around probably me more than you uh, who just view a lot of the things that we talk about and tweet about. And I, you know, in, in the geopolitics empire uh, telegram as many of these stories as well, they view some of these things as zero, zero probability events. I don't think that's a good idea to view things as zero probability events anymore. And whether it's Bitcoin becoming the reserve asset of choice for, for sovereigns or whether it's cyber attacks uh, that, you know, quote unquote, require internet censure and closure and uh, clampdowns for you know, two weeks to maybe flatten the cyber attack or something like that. Uh, the idea that it's zero probability, I think, should be out the window for basically everybody at this point. You, you should copyright that two weeks to flatten <laughs> Print the, the cyber Print the attack. You, you said it uh, <laughs> first. Uh, so we're going to, it's time for our break. Uh, the website's again, CanadianBitcoiners.com, AccessOfEasy.com. We'll be right back. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Candace Owens made an interesting comment earlier this week. She said that Taylor Swift reported that Lena Dunham taught her feminism. And apparently, according to Candace, this new wave of feminism teaches that you can get whatever you want as long as you portray yourself as a victim just because you're a woman. And Tay-Tay has done this repeatedly over the years and reaped over a billion dollars as her reward. But is this feminism? Isn't this the cliched damsel in distress, feminine wiles trope from which the Betty for Dan feminists were trying to liberate women? I think there's something to that. What do you think? For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk, TNT. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. Reaching residential areas 
And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Critically analyzing global affairs. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's our final segment with Joey from CanadianBitcoiners.com, AccessofEasy.com. Uh, and um, I just, for, uh, someone in the chat, I forget what I was going to say, but someone in the chat said, interesting guests to have on, uh, Hervoye. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, by the way, you, in the Bitcoin space, you've got Nayib Bukele of El Salvador, uh, big. And I guess he, he's just speaking at CPAC now, just during the break I caught snippets where he says uh, El, uh Bukele says he issues a chilling warning to America he says we can clearly see signs of a declining society and he also says who elected Soros to dictate policy why does he feel entitled to impose this agenda Soros and his cronies hit a brick wall in El Salvador El Salvadorians are now immune to his influence no one believes his lies uh, anymore and so yeah any thoughts on uh Bukele or the decline of uh Pax Americana Pax Americana is for sure certainly in decline. Um, the question really is at what speed and to what end. A lot of Bitcoiners, <clears throat> there's a there's a favorable way to spin this, so I don't you know really go at my colleagues here. A lot of Bitcoiners cheer for the decline of the empire, but I don't think they consider what the replacement will be. Vacuums of power often lead to problems and a vacuum that large where there's not been, by the way, really any close competitor uh, until very recently, you don't want to have that abruptly show up. And so, you know, whether, whether America's in decline, I, I don't think is in, in question, but I'm, I'm a little concerned about what comes next. And one of the reasons that Bitcoin is important, at least in my view, is because it takes away some of the power that allowed uh, the American hegemon to proliferate so quickly and so totally over the entire modern world. I mean, everyone knows that the dollar really is the key foreign policy tool uh, used by America today. Sometimes it's positive for me in Canada. It's been very positive, I would say. And for others, you know, in the third world, places like El Salvador, maybe not so much. As far as Bukele, you know, you and I spoke about this, I think, after we got off the air on my show a couple of weeks back. He, he's a guy who strikes me as a bit too charismatic. He's got a bit too much riz, as the kids would say, for my liking. Don't get me wrong. He's done some great things when it comes to gang violence. The murder rate there is way down, if you believe government statistics. I have some friends who have spent some time in El Salvador since it became a quote-unquote Bitcoin country. They speak very positively of it. I don't know that that's reflective of the entire country or the entire you know citizen citizenship over there, but... Um, it's it's a it's a data point, let's say, and I'm happy about that. But you know, much like you and I said prior, I'm a little concerned with his willingness to participate in things like the European Union model in South America. He's mentioned this a couple of times, or Latin America, I should say. He's mentioned this a couple of times. I don't know that a lot of Bitcoiners even realize this. For a group of people who's so readily you know slam dunking on the ECB and other kind of non-elected uh, super government agencies that, 
dictate uh, what you can and can't do with things like money, uh, things like uh, your home, things like your family, things like your food. They, they don't seem willing or or able to do the same to Bukele to hold them to the same standard, which is frustrating because I think Bitcoiners do a good job of slaying their heroes 99% of the time. Uh, but for, for some reason, they can't seem to get there with him. I haven't seen the the talk that he gave today, although I have seen snippets of it on Twitter. So I'm interested in that quote you just gave. I, I do want to watch. He's a very good speaker. And, uh, you know, I think that's a positive as well. But again, you know, between the, the union thing in South America and this idea that he, I think, made his, you can correct me here if I'm wrong, because you, you would know his secretary, I think, took over for him in in like a very, very in term fashion so he could step down from the presidency run again as a second i mean for if this happened in america or canada could you imagine the backlash like you thought january 6th was bad you can imagine the backlash if trump or someone does something like that like let's say for example uh, a sitting president decides that he's going to put his vp in there for four months and and tear up the constitution or the understanding of the constitution to run again for a third term or something the backlash would be incredible but bitcoiners don't seem to hold Bukele to that same standard. It's it's annoying. I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts because you're, you're not a Bitcoiner, but you are very much sort of a libertarian, free-thinking guy. How, how do you feel about that? Like uh, To me, that's it's very much an indictment of the other things he's doing. They should be held under uh, a f- sort of a more fine microscope than we are because if he's doing this out in the open, certainly behind closed doors, the tendency is there too, no? Yeah, just red flags. I mean, his analysis—he's got a, he gets a lot of things on point. But you know, we—I do sort of do view that we have that system in the U.S. We have an uh, oligarchy. We, we we go from Bush to Clinton <laughs> to Bush to Obama Clinton to Biden Clinton. You know, it's, it's really not much of a difference. Or you know, Putin and they, they may be going back to Obama, right? If Michelle Obama gets uh, kind of you know shoehorned in there, I—I I mean, this is all possible. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Putin and Medvedev did that, played that little game uh, as well that, that you just mentioned. But um, we're running out of time. I'm curious, you know, my favorite topic of all topics is the C- are the CBDCs. <laughs> right? the, the, and if we have some cyber crisis, they're going to be like, you know what? Everyone needs to have a digital ID and you can't have CBDC without digital ID. But, uh, you know, is there anything new that's really interesting in the CBD space that you've been looking at? Okay, this is going to knock your socks off. In Canada... There is a senator's bill. Senators are unelected. They're supposed to be what our system calls a sober second thought to the legislative process. The function they serve is to basically make sure that nothing crazy gets through um, gets through legislatively on the back of some crazy, you know, group of uh, loud minorities or something like that in in the country. They've done a good job with that, in my view. That may be controversial, some, but there's a senator who put a bill forward not long ago, and the bill is basically to protect children from online pornography. You're going to like this. The bill calls for pornographic websites to verify the age of their consumers. Fine. Okay. This is an interesting wedge issue, right? Because uh, the right is very much anti-porn and the left is very much, you know, sort of pro, um, pro free content, things of this nature. So it's an interesting kind of um, Venn diagram. The problem with the bill, and this is pointed out by Professor Michael Geis, who's a law professor at the University of Ottawa. The problem with the bill is that there's no distinction made about what exactly is a pornographic website. Instead, they point to other examples of bills of this nature. Some passed, some did not. 
where a pornographic website is determined or, or, or it's determined whether or not you are one of these sites by how much content is available to you when you hit the, the website. For example, Google under some threshold could be considered a pornographic website, Twitter, Facebook, Meta, Instagram, you pick. Any of these things, I mean, you're on Twitter enough to know that if you go down any of the replies on popular tweets, there's OnlyFans bots, girls shaking every bit of squishy they got uh, trying to get you to subscribe to their monthly service. If we allow all these sites to be deemed pornographic or that they've crossed this threshold, suddenly you're going to have to verify ID. I mentioned on Access of Easy a couple of weeks ago that verify, I should say verify age. I, I mentioned on Access of Easy that verifying age really just means verify your ID because they're not going to just give you a drop down menu to say what year you were born and off you go, you know, enjoy the wild world of pornography. They're going to want to know more because it's got to be verifiable. And that's the whole point of the legislation. Sure enough, the other day, I start to see these reports about Polyev, the conservative leader, the leader of the opposition, talking about how they would require age verification, quote unquote, ID for pornographic websites. But boy, that's every website, man. You know, I can search on anything, Reddit, uh, Telegram, you name it, and find something pornographic. The threshold is unknown. I am certain that it's going to be very low. And before you know it, you have digital IDs. And what comes next? Once you have that infrastructure in place, CBDCs is not that far, uh, you know, far afield from those things. And I think a lot of people, including my colleagues in the Bitcoin space, think CBDCs are far away because bureaucracy is slow. It's hard to pivot this cruise ship to, to move to electronic means to control data and money. But I think it's going to be a lot quicker than people realize. And I think that, you know, it's time to start paying attention to this stuff because that's, that is a door that once it shuts, as you know, and your listeners and viewers know, it'd be really hard to open it back up. And uh, that's something we got to be on the lookout for more today than ever before. Yeah, I think you explained it um, really great right now. A few things clicked in my mind. And it's a Trojan horse, as you um, just outlined. And um, that, that's that's that entry door into, you know, uh, full spectrum wide implementing the age verification digital ID. Yeah. That's it. Uh, we're two minutes to midnight, Joey. Time is flying. You know, any... any um, Closing thoughts and thoughts what people can do, you know, any any final thought here? I would say uh, start thinking about your sovereignty and uh, your sovereignty starts with your technology, your money and your community. And those things are important now as they've ever been. People from many moons ago had that stuff right. And we have we've we've strayed from the light, as uh, some would say, in the last 30, 40, 50 years. But I think uh, it's time to start thinking about getting back to those things now before it's too late. And too late is coming sooner than uh, a lot of people think. That, that's another great t-shirt quote. Too late is coming a lot sooner than other <laughs> them. Get them going. Thank All right. A minute left. Uh, where are all the places we can find you? Podcast projects. Oh, and all man. That. First of all, thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. It's always a pleasure talking to you, man. Um, CanadianBitcoiners.com. That's where you can find all the stuff about the show. We post uh, the lead up to each program, which is Monday night streamed. You can see what we're going to be talking about. Wednesday, we do our interviews. Hervoye uh, has been on. If you're a fan of his, I'm sure you are for listening to this. Go back and listen to our show from a few weeks ago. And then, of course, Access of Easy, our mutual friend, Mark Jeftovic, uh, grabbed Len and I to do the Access of Easy podcast, which records every week. The latest and greatest in data breaching and overreaching, as I like to say, three shirts for tonight. Three shirts. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've had Vyeftovich on. I've been busy. He's been busy. I want to get him on my podcast to do a deep dive, but 
Keep up the great work, uh, Joey, uh, and then we'll we'll talk soon. Cheers. Thanks, everybody. All right, I'll be right back after this. <laughs>